All right, welcome to another episode. We got Chubuckets back here. What's up, dude? How's it going? Uh, it's going well. How's everything with you? All right. We're, uh, what, 11 days away from actual NBA games. Even fewer, I guess, if you count the, the scrimmages. So, what well, we talked last was probably two weeks ago. So, we're two weeks into the bubble now, basically. And not not much like huge news, but definitely some pretty significant stuff has happened. Uh, so, we'll start with We'll start with someone who decided not to play. So, so Bradley Beal decided not to play for the Wizards. And if you want to take this one away, just kind of go over like we talked about it last time. How you and you said what you thought the Wizards had a good chance to make the the eighth seed, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot a lot of things change when he's not going to be playing since he's their main scorer and he's the heart of their offense. So basically, it's going to be like two G League talent teams battling for the eighth eighth playoff seed in the East. Uh, we have the Nets, who have lost a bunch of players due to injury. And we have the Wizards, who, without their main star, they have no talent on that team. And Bertanz is out. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be ugly at the bottom of the East. And uh, I actually think that this kind of changes things for me. Um I would say that without Beal, I don't think the Wizards are going to make up that ground that the Nets have on them. So I would say the Nets drop to the eighth seed, but the Wizards won't even force a play-in game. Yeah, because that's without Beal and Bertans, that's, what, 50 points a game right there, at least? That's yeah, off I mean, the table. <laughs> yeah, Beal's good for 30, and then Bertans can go for 20 any night. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so that's, that's a huge points. hit. And it's just like those games, Wizards games, even before Beal opted out, weren't they weren't going to be interesting. But at least you know it's fun to watch Bradley Beal go. He 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 might score. He might have scored fifty points in every game. But now there's really no reason to watch the Wizards, even if you're from Washington. Like, don't subject yourself to that. Yeah, it's it's going to get ugly. Like they're going to probably have to play Isaac Bonga, and you know they signed Jerry and Grant, and it's just. There's no one of, of real substance on this team that you can say, oh, this guy's going to give me even 15 a night. Maybe Ish Smith could, yeah. but anyone else on that roster is it, – it literally looks like a G League team. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. And speaking of G League rosters, uh, the Nets, who we brought up as well, so they lost, what, like five, at least four guys I could think of, possibly a fifth who's, who's slipping my mind. But, oh, yeah, I thought the fifth guy. So – Kyrie, Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Torian Prince, and Wilson Chandler all not playing. So any team, if you take five, basically five starters or at least rotation guys out of the lineup, like they're completely done. I mean, the Nets still do have some solid guys like Joe Harris and Karis LeVert, but they they filled out the rest of their roster with some some cool names, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how impactful they'll be. I would say the Nets will be fun to watch, actually, because of the guys they signed as replacement players. So you think of they signed an old-ass Jamal Crawford. Uh, they signed Michael Beasley, Tyler Johnson, and Justin Anderson. Now, Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley, they don't need anyone else on the team to get a bucket. They can get a bucket by themselves. So uh, it's going to be like a lot of iso ball. And, oh, wait, wait. You know, so Michael Beasley signed with them? But then he tested positive in the bubble and had to leave. And it says he's not he's not going to rejoin the Nets. Oh, he's not coming back? Yeah. Damn, so even their oh, replacement yeah. guys are dropping out. Yeah, I want to see Michael Beasley play because he's fun to watch just because, you know, he's such an ISO player. But, like, mm-hmm. even when you play good defense on him, he can still score because he has a nice mid-range. And I always thought he had, a, like, a bunch of talent. He just never realized it. So... But, yeah, at least they have Jamal Crawford who can make things interesting. And, I mean, yeah, they're not going to be a good team. They're not going to have a lot of good chemistry considering that they're missing five guys. So, yeah. And they don't have be, a coach. <laughs> it's going to be brutal. Yeah, exactly. I would, yeah, Michael Beasley, obviously it's not a huge deal, but it would have been so funny to see, like, in the seventh seeding game, the Nets, you know, Beasley and Crawford combined for 80 and, like, knock off – some team, you know, they knock out some team's chances of getting like a higher seed or something like that. Yeah. It would have just been fun. It would have been like March Madness-esque. Yeah. I, I think the last game, Jamal Crawford, he played with the Suns. He scored like 50 plus, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had 50 in his, what was his final NBA game. But 
now he's back and that's yeah that'd be cool just to have him i mean for him there's literally nothing to lose you know he's no, just he, he, loves playing mm-hmm. he doesn't i don't think he cares like what team he's on as long as he can uh get his shots up you know yeah and with as far as the chemistry thing goes I feel like it's it's somewhat easy to integrate him into your offense because you don't need to run plays. It's just, you know what he's going to do. He's going to miss a bunch of shots, but he's also going to have, you know, a streak where he just puts up like 12 unanswered points in like three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his last year with the, with the Phoenix Suns was kind of brutal. He shot under 40% <laughs> overall, and he was shooting 33% from three. So, you know, there's not a lot of efficiency in his game. But uh, he's fun to watch with his crossovers. and Yeah, like you said, he doesn't really need a team to get a bucket. He can get it on his own. So, mm-hmm. like I'll, I will watch a couple of Nets games just to see how he looks, you know, just because yeah. it's fun to watch him play. Um, all right. Now, on kind of on the other hand, we have a guy who sounded like he wasn't going to play at first, and now it looks like – it really looks like he's going to play, and that's Victor Oladipo. So I think – the main reason it sounds like that he is going to play is because if he didn't play, he wouldn't get paid for the remaining games because remember how he said he was healthy, but then he still opted out. So that was kind of like a, it was a tough spot for him to be in because he couldn't say he was injured, but he also didn't want to play because he didn't want to risk getting more injured. So I'm glad he's playing. And I mean, it's just more exciting if the Pacers have Oladipo who looked better towards the end of the season. Um, but do you think, yeah, what are you expecting from him after this long layoff? And, you know, he had missed like a year and a half even before this. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of hype surrounding him coming back because his trainer had said that he's in the best shape of his life. And, you know, it was kind of weird seeing that, oh, there's rumors that he's not going to play and now he's going to play. So maybe there's something under the surface that we don't know about is happening with him in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um but I would assume he likes Indiana because that's where he went to college for as well. So I think when he comes back, he'll be a little bit better than he was when he originally came back those 13 games when he was shooting pretty poorly, like 39% from the field. I think he'll be a little bit better, but I don't think he'll regain his form to where he was before the injury, at least not this year. I think it's yeah. going to take another year. Yeah, and, and those, uh, those, those 13 games he was putting up Jamal Crawford – end of last season shooting yeah. numbers basically. end of career numbers so yeah i mean he helps the team when he's healthy and you know he's definitely a piece that indiana needs it in case they want to make a deep run in the playoffs but i just don't see it this year for the pacers i think he needs another year to get back to full health they can say oh he's in the best shape of his life but you still need that that game time and mm-hmm. and that that game time NBA feel to right. to really uh, pu- push it in the playoffs as well. Yeah, and that's why we had the season ending when it did really sucked for him timing wise because it looked like he was just starting to finally get back into like get back into game shape. And now just four months of just you know solo workouts, maybe three on three at most, or like pick up five on five. But yeah, I would I, I wouldn't really expect him to come back balling out that much but at the same time indiana needs him just to even have a chance to like you said make a run like that just yeah is their ceiling do you know that if he's is this the last year of his contract or he has he has one more year right yeah i think he has one more year after this one so that's why he wanted to rest so then next year he could you know put up crazy numbers to get paid the year after yeah because i could kind of see where he's coming from if he wanted to like if his contract ended at, at the end of this year mm-hmm. to say, you know what, I'm not going to force it all the way back with this pandemic and, and my health. You know, I could see that wanting a new contract, but you know, you have another year left. So kind of it would rub me the wrong way if I was like Pacers management to know that he's fully healthy and still doesn't want to play. Mm-hmm. That's what so. Bertans did. That's what his thing was, is he's a free agent this off season. And for yeah. him, it makes sense because the Wizards have nothing to play for, whereas the Pacers are legit. I mean, they're the five seed right now, with and that was without him for the whole year, basically. So, and he's a he's Bertans isn't a star player too, so he needs like that one big payday at the very least. Whereas Oladipo's already gotten paid once, and you know, 
someone's going to pay him even if he did get injured again just because he's he's still so young and he's that good of a player. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, it's it comes down to the money, definitely. I mean, would you pay Oladipo max money, though? That's such a hard question. I don't I, – like, I've thought about this for a while now. Yeah. I just would have to see – like, if I was the team, I would have to see him play, you know, a whole – basically play a full season. And yeah. Be healthy back to 24 and 6 or whatever he was at. Yeah, I was hearing kind of rumors that maybe he did want to leave Indiana and he, that he has a house in Miami. And Miami has cap space. They do. So maybe for like the 2021 season, when Giannis is a free agent, him and uh, Giannis and Oladipo go to Miami with Jimmy Butler there. So that'd be a pretty nice big three. That would be such a stacked team. <laughs> with a bunch of shooters around you? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that would fit Giannis perfectly. Yeah. Oh, for real. Wow, yeah. And because I'm looking at Oladipo's contract right now, so it's $21 million this year, 21 next year. I feel like that's – yeah, that's like perfect money for him. Like I wouldn't want to pay him any more than that right now. But it's just weird because he was so good. That was only two seasons ago. But, again, he just hasn't played since then. And the 13 games he played this year weren't great. So, yeah, I don't know. But I also see why he's kind of a little skeptical about trusting the Pacers organization because Paul George just came out a couple months ago and kind of gave his – behind the scenes story about why he left and it didn't make the Pacers look that great. Like it made them seem a little cheap. Like they weren't trying to spend enough money to win. They're more like, let's just stay under the cap. We're a small market. And that's why Paul George ended up leaving. Yeah. Yeah. There was rumors of even Anthony Davis wanted to come play with him, but they didn't want to mm-hmm. give up. Uh, and then they didn't want to go over the cap as well. So yeah, there's question marks there definitely. But I think Indiana's an, a young enough team to where if they keep Oladipo, and I think he's a good fit there, they can be competitive for years to come, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they they draft well, and they they make smart trades. I mean, just the trade for Oladipo and Sabonis, they gave up Paul George, but like to get those two guys, that's two all stars back. Yep. Like they it, they know what they're doing. Um, they yeah. just it's just really hard for them to get big free agents. So that is probably the main reason why I think. I could see them paying him max money just because who else, are, you know, who's going to go to Indiana? Yeah. But <laughs> you then know? you always have to ask the question, like, do you really want Oladipo to be your number one guy? Mm-hmm. That's always the the conundrum for these, these GMs is like, yeah. we're not going to get anyone better, but if this guy's injury prone, then we're, you know, we're stuck with him like a, like a Blake Griffin or like an Andre Drummond type contract. Yeah, I was thinking just exactly about the Pistons. Like, mm-hmm. then you're screwed. You have to blow it up in a couple years when mm-hmm. things are looking sour. So. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited though because Old Depot does seem like a guy that he just seems like a hard worker. So if anyone was going to come back, you know, in super shape and actually look even better than they did at the end of the season during this layoff, it would be someone like him. And I don't know. I'm excited to watch Indiana just for that reason mainly. Yeah, they're they're definitely a solid team, and you know I have a soft spot for any player that gets injured. Like I always want to see them come back and, and be great. Yeah, especially him too. He's he just seems like a he's a fun like an easy player to root for. Yeah. Um, okay, now this is this is kind of like a an interesting topic has never before been talked about <laughs> until 2020. But so it just came out a couple of days ago that Westbrook tested positive for the virus. So. I would say he's by far the biggest name to, you know, come out with a positive test so far. And there was like, there was rumors that James Harden had it, but I don't think those are true. Um, But what do you think about someone as big as like a big, as big of a name as Russell Westbrook testing positive? Um, Does that like worry you at all just for like the, the safety of the bubble or just the, you know, how realistic is it that it, keeps going on like what if a bunch of big names like Westbrook keep testing positive like what will happen then yeah I mean you know the the virus isn't going to discriminate on who it infects so you know Gobert got it he's a big name uh even Durant got it you know we didn't really give that much attention because he's Mm -hmm. out this year but it's definitely possible that the bubble gets breached and someone gets the virus inside the bubble and this whole thing blows up so it's a very, 
I would say, precarious situation. But other than that, I think, you know, we, we hear every day uh, uh, new news on ESPN, like, oh, this athlete, this professional got infected with COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that's just become, like, you know, every normal day life to us. Like, we, we don't think of life and death. Uh, because we haven't heard of like any young athletes in their prime dying of this virus. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, okay, it's something I have to get over in about whatever, four to eight weeks and just battle with the symptoms. So, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but you know, it seems like if you're in peak physical condition, you can easily survive this virus. So I just hope that Westbrook makes a speedy recovery and that he comes back for the playoffs. I don't think the, Rockets really need him for the eight games for the seeding. Mm-hmm. It's more of for the playoffs. I mean, they, they played mostly the whole season together, Harden and Westbrook. So they have that chemistry down. They know what they want to do in the playoffs. It's just they got to get everyone healthy into the playoffs. So that's my view of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's like, interesting to talk about because we really don't know, you know, anything about it. So it's hard to speculate, but – yeah, really just hope he comes back. And the main thing is hopefully he can come back, you know, back into full Russell Westbrook form because he's a guy that obviously relies so much on his athleticism and just his, his like nonstop motor. That's the main thing, right? That's how, that's why he's so good is because when you're tired at the end of a game, he's still going 110%. So if this, if this, uh, virus does kind of have lingering effects on whatever it is his lungs or his his uh you know his uh stamina then that's where it could be a problem but I don't want to be too pessimistic until you know we see those results but I think he'll be fine he said he's feeling fine and the NBA obviously has the the protocol down so he's I I don't worry about him infecting other people so and it's he got it before he even got into the bubble and then as soon as he got to the bubble he went just into self-quarantine. So he wasn't, you know, like practicing with this team or anything like that uh, yeah. during that. So, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully hope for the best. But Yeah. Another thing you have to realize is that he has to come back for them because mm-hmm. this whole offense is predicated off of Westbrook mostly because the reason why they traded Capella is because to create more space for Westbrook for his driving lane so that he could kick it out and get easy buckets. So this whole team falls apart if, it's, it'll be basically just harder than a bunch of smaller guards out there. So yep. I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a championship recipe right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And the, the whole no center approach that was all because of Westbrook. So that's just so unfortunate if, you know, knock on wood, but if this does kind of take him out for a couple of games or however long, um, yeah, that would, that would suck so much. Cause they, they, they were so much fun to watch too when, Westbrook was basically their center and we went through his numbers I think a couple episodes ago but they were insane with him as the quote-unquote center yeah he looked better than Harden honestly during those at least during those I think it was like 15 games maybe I mean yeah if that's that's the most curtailed offense you could implement for a player like Westbrook that that suits him perfectly Mm -hmm. like that'll max out his all his potential there so, I mean, yeah, of course he's going to look good in it and put up a lot of stats. So mm-hmm. it would have been fun to watch definitely in the playoffs. And then another thing I want to touch on is uh, the Rockets also picked up two two new guys. Um, so one of them is uh, Luke Mbamute. The other guy is David Nwaba. So oh, yeah. um, David Nwaba, he's like a former Laker. He's known for his defense mostly. He's not really the greatest shooter in the world, but – I would I want to touch on uh, Bob Mute and saying that he's I think I would say he's a pretty good pickup. He's like the definition of a three and D player. Like he'll guard the other team's best player. He'll mm-hmm. he'll give all his hustle out on the defensive end, and then as a three point shooter, he's he's improved every year, and uh, he's he's become a decent three point shooter. I think he shoots over forty percent his last two years. So those are I think I would say that's a solid pickup for the Rockets. Uh, Bob Mute really fits what they want to do. So, yeah, that's funny. They just have so many guys who are just that mold, and it makes sense because it's just whoever has whoever has, is having the better shooting game. That's kind of who they'll just go with into the fourth quarter, right? Because they still have Jeff Green. I think they have 
is Damari Carroll on the Rockets or someone like, is it Damari yeah. Carroll? Damari yeah. Carroll. Yep. yep. So it's like all these guys and it's just, you know what they're going to bring on defense. It's just whoever can shoot the best from a game to game standpoint. That's who's going to finish the game with them because it's really just what Westbrook, Harden, Tucker and Covington. Those are like the for sure four guys who are going to be out there. And then that fifth spot is really, it's up for grabs for whoever you know is playing well that game. Yeah, uh, that's another thing. I think it helps their defense out a lot. Is imagine if you're playing a team like the Clippers and you have uh, Covington guarding Kawhi, mm-hmm. and then you screen, screen on him, and they, and then Balamute gets switched onto him, and then you screen again, and Tucker gets switched onto him. So they have a lot of switchability there, where yeah. all of them are pretty uh, stout defenders. Yeah, and that's where oh, I forgot about Eric Gordon too, actually. He and he kind of he had like a weird season this year. I think he just missed a ton of games, and he was also a guy who never really got kind of got settled during the season. So he he's another guy who could kind of change the Rockets' fortune. That's why they're a super interesting team going into this uh, this return for the NBA because I feel like they they definitely underperformed this season. I mean, they're the sixth seed with all that talent, but I feel like they're I mean, they're a team that could give either of the L.A. teams at least, you know, like a six or seven game series for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think just because of their switchability and their ability to get uh, – just because of their play style, their, mm-hmm. the way they want to shoot threes. I mean, literally their whole roster is three and D players. I mean, they have Tyson Chandler. So, yeah, I think they – I would love to see them play the Clippers in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's – probably the 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 first round series I would root for for the Clippers at least that's who I'd want them to have to play um against but I'm also interested to see the Rockets play a team like Denver or or Utah you know like a team with a a really good center because I want to see like who 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 uh who like folds first you know does the team with the big center have to bench their guy or do the Rockets have to put in Tyson Chandler and I feel like the Rockets, they're, they're like, they don't care. They're not folding at all. Like they're just going small. And if they lose like that, that's how they're, that's how they're going out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been Mike D'Antoni's stance ever since he got into the league is like, I'm going to do it my way, no matter what, even if I'm coaching a Lakers team with, uh, <laughs> with Bynum, Gasol and Kobe. <laughs> We're all shooting threes. <laughs> so. Like coach Dwight Howard has never shot a three in his career. I don't care. Make him shoot him. And now it's funny because he is actually hitting threes for the Lakers every once in a while. (laughs) But, but yeah, that's so yeah. uh, Hopefully Westbrook recovers fully and hopefully all these players who have tested positive for it at some point uh, recover fully. But what do you think about this? So, so I mentioned to you uh, before we started recording, but Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr. And Torrey Craig all as of a few days ago, still hadn't, uh, reported to the to the bubble yet and the coach Mike Malone won't say why you know he's he's saying he wants to respect their privacy so he won't say if it's because of a positive test or a family issue so how do you feel about just that kind of uncertainty or like the lack of transparency there because you know how we're used to hearing you know a guy you know he broke his foot or he you know separated his shoulder like he it's like a, a concrete injury but now it's like, well, we don't know if he's going to play or if he's even going to be able to play. So how do you just feel about that? Because it's something new for us as fans even dealing with. Yeah, I mean, it's best for teams to play cl- close to the vest so other teams don't get intel on your players, knowing that if they're out indefinitely, they can start game planning for the backup players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my guess would be probably they had the virus and they're probably recovering from it. Uh, we di- we don't even know like about all the players who have had the virus. I mean, there's been news reports saying, oh, the Laker, three of the Lakers players got the virus. We they never said, oh, who got the virus. Mm-hmm. So they keep it undisclosed for personal reasons, and maybe those guys are going through family matters as well. But we'll see. Um, we'll see when the games start getting played. But you know, if I had a if I had to choose, I'd probably say that they've had the virus. Mm-hmm. that'd be my guess too because it just it just makes the most sense that that would be the reason why they're staying quiet because you would think if it was something else that they would say 
what it was because they know everyone is just sitting at home speculating that it's a positive test. So you would think if it wasn't that they would be pushing that message out there of what it actually was. Um, yeah. yeah, it's weird because it's so hard to tell, like, you know, if it's a, a sprained ankle, then everyone knows, okay, well, four to six weeks or whatever it is. But with this, we have no clue, like when they're going to feel good enough to uh, show up. And then when they do show up, how long they're gonna have to sit out and you know, how many games do they end up missing? It's like a, just like a rabbit hole that we have no idea where it ends basically. Yeah. So I think they did the same thing with uh, Zion. He actually left the bubble as well. And no one really knew like concretely what was going on. So yeah. some people were speculating, oh, it was that thing with uh, with Duke and uh, that pay for play thing. Because there's been a scandal for, with him and uh, when he was in college about him receiving money. Um, or they were saying oh, it could have been an inju- injury and that the Pelicans didn't want to disclose that because you know, it would mess up. It would, it would get, create a bad image saying like, oh, Zion's probably injury prone or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. Now I saw they said it's a, it was like an, a, a family medical emergency. So, yeah. but then that's, again, they won't say anything more than that. So yeah. It's, and then I think Montrose Harrell, he left for, I think it was for the exact same, like, you know, they said the same reason, but yeah. again, that's tough because, like obviously, you know, you want the players to go take care of whatever it is with their family. But then, depending on when they do come back, I think it's ten days or fourteen days minimum that they have to uh, quarantine, and they technically aren't supposed to even do physical activity. So, imagine for like obviously for the Pelicans, it's a way bigger deal because they need to even just fight for their playoff spot or even a chance at the playoffs. But like the Clippers, if Harrell has to miss all the you know, the seeding games and then, you know, they need to reintegrate them for the playoffs. Like that could be, that's a huge hit for them even. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's the whole thing. with This whole bubble for these players is it's gotta be tough. Mm-hmm. Not seeing your family, not being around them. I know you have like your, your brothers and on your team, but you can't like say goodnight to your wife or whatever physically. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they've implemented things where you can get out of the bubble, but that there's safety precautions when you come back in. I'm sure they're testing them every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think with Montrez, uh, these eight games don't really matter that much to the Clippers, I would say. I'd probably predict that they're going to end up with a second seed regardless, uh, just because their bench is so deep too. Um, But Montrez has a lot of – uh, experience with the Clippers so I think he, he knows his role off the bench he's he's a bucket getter off the bench you know him and Lou Williams work well together they have seasons of chemistry together so I think he'll be all right for the playoffs I just hope it's nothing uh, nothing too dramatic that's happened to him yeah and I think yeah I think you're right like I don't I don't think the Clippers are gonna push for the one seed at all because I mean they're six games back like that's pretty unrealistic that they would get it even if they went all out and they're good enough that they can rest players you know they could rest like they could rest uh lou williams and harrell one game and still be favored against basically any team except the bucks and the lakers probably so i don't think they're too worried about getting caught either by the nuggets especially if who knows how many players the nuggets are going to be missing so i think yeah it doesn't it's not a big deal if harrell has to miss even all eight of the seeding games because i'm sure they'll be playing Joakim Noah heavy minutes just to get him, you know, used to playing. And that's going to be fun to see. But, uh, yeah, it's just more like hopefully it doesn't start to trickle into the the actual playoffs. Because remember these these eight seeding games, they're pretty condensed. Like it's not like they get a bunch of days off in between like a regular season schedule. Yeah, I was looking at the schedule. And uh, so the, the play begins on July 30th. Mm-hmm. And – the seeding games end on August 14th. So that's basically like a little over two weeks to play eight games. So oh, that's a pretty condensed uh, schedule. Right I didn't now. even realize it was that condensed. Wow. So that's like at most you have one day in between. Yep. I'm sure they'll have some back-to-backs probably then, right? Yeah. I would say. And there's, you know Kawhi. There's no way Kawhi's playing back-to-backs. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be surprised if Kawhi played four games. <laughs> yeah, right. Or he might play like 15 minutes a game. Like he'd just come in, go six for six, and then just sit down. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I mean, what's, yeah. the, what's the incentive? Like, I get, I guess that maybe you want to play like a lower seed of the Grizzlies or the Pelicans as the eighth seed, as opposed to playing the Mavericks as the seventh seed. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like each LA team can dispatch with those two teams pretty quickly. Yeah. So there's no home court advantage. So what are you playing for, honestly? <laughs> exactly, and that's why I think. That's so why I think really the the race for the eighth seed in the West is like the by far the most interesting storyline because all the other games are just for yeah like you said for seeding like maybe you match up better with the team who's in the three seed so you really want to get the sixth seed or something like that but other than that it's really like if you're I think we talked about it with the Heat and the uh, Pacers but the four or five seed literally there's no difference now because there's no home court so. You just get to say you were the higher seed. That's all you get. Which honestly, that might be better to be the fifth seed because then you could say, if you win, we we upset them. You know, yeah, that underdog mentality. Yeah, yeah. you get, you have that bulletin board material every game. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, the thing is, Zion needs to come back because uh, the NBA has a lot of national broadcasting games of the mm-hmm. Pelicans. So that's going to hurt the audience and the viewership if he's not back by then. Yeah. And plus, the, the Pelicans need him for every single game of the eight games because mm-hmm. they're trying to make this push. Yeah, and we saw how they were pretty bad without him in the regular season. You know, like they oh, yeah. needed him to even get close to fighting for the eighth seed. So Ooh, without him, he's the glue to that team. Like he makes everything work. Like he mm-hmm. makes Lonzo so much better because he maxes out Lonzo's potential mm-hmm. as a passer, and then Ingram can get you know, a more open space for drives because uh, Zion can get out to him if he's spotting up. And, you know, yeah. Drew Holiday can just run the run the offense through Zion. So. It's so funny. He's like – he's not even a focal point of their offense at all. Like, really, like you said, he just helps everyone else play better. And then he still ends up with 25 and 8 every night, basically. Yeah. <laughs> with just – without even really, you know – it's not like they're calling isos for him or running plays for him. Unless oh, it's like, you know, like a lob play, maybe out of bounds or something, but he's just that good. So, yeah. And first game, first game of, you know, new opening night, technically, for this return is the Pelicans versus the Jazz and no Zion. That, and it looks like, I mean, at this point, he probably, there's no way he, he plays that first game, right? If, if he's already out of the bubble and if he have to sit out, I guess it would depend on how many days he has to quarantine once he gets back. That's what yeah. it'll come down to. And it would be a shame because, you know, we're seeing all those pictures on uh, Twitter <laughs> and everywhere where, you know, he's looking like he's in his best shape of his life. He's looking chiseled. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even look like, you know, a 19, 20-year-old. He looks like a full-grown man. He is a full-grown man. That so. was the first thing. When I sent you that picture and you said he's only 19 or 20, I was like, I totally forgot that. I, I, like, you just see that and you don't think teenager. You're like, yeah. oh, he's, what, 28 years old, like, in his physical prime nope he's just he would be going into his sophomore year of college (laughs) i was watching some of uh they had like some of his highlights on the pelicans practice when he was in the bubble and you see him just driving down the lane dude dudes are bouncing off of him like full-grown dudes are just flying off (laughs) like Derek Derek favors who's been in the league for like eight (laughs) years is just getting out of the way or just getting literally (laughs) they're on the floor like just (laughs) bouncing off of him like Oh, this would He's on be, another level. It would be so – yeah, that's just such bad luck. And obviously, hopefully everyone in his family is okay. It's just so – it's such bad timing. And, like, yeah, it sucks because he was really – I mean, the whole reason they have 22 teams in Orlando is because they wanted more Pelicans games and the chance for the Pelicans to get in the playoffs. So that's just yeah. such bad luck. Yeah, everyone's rooting for the, uh, for the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to see – that make the playoffs. So. Yep, especially the NBA because that money talks. And there was probably the most significant injury news, at least. Uh, so Rondo, what was it, broke his thumb. And I think it said he'll be out six to eight weeks. So that's that's such bad. That's, that's like terrible timing, obviously, for the Lakers because already missing a starting guard. And now probably their first or second guard off the bench is out for – I think that timing means he's out for at least the entire eight uh, seeding games. And then after that, who knows? But, yeah, does that change, you know, your expectations of them or how do you think it affects them? Yeah, I mean, I would say 
Rajon was the focal point of the offense, but he was definitely that veteran that came off the bench to run the offense when LeBron was resting. But do you really think that a 34-year-old Rondo is going to make the difference to, for a championship team? I mean, his play this year, you know, shooting 42% from the field, 33% from three, you know, he's not a good shooter. We know he wants to facilitate a lot. Um, and then if you look into some of the more advanced stats, um, points per 100 possessions, the Lakers are plus 1.4 when he's on the court, and they're plus 9.5 when he's off the court. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that means they have the fourth best offense when he's off the court and the 22nd best offense when he's <laughs> on the court. So I don't – people are making out to be like, oh, it's this big loss, uh, which it, it could be when you get down to – you know, the bench coming in when LeBron needs to rest for the playoffs. Um, but this has been the hole that the Lakers needed to fill all season, and they never made it a priority to fill that hole. Um, a secondary playmaker off the bench when LeBron rests. Um, you know, they had flirted with Darren Collison, maybe getting him out of retirement, but that never materialized. And you, th you think about the people that they've signed is uh, Markeith Morris, Deion Waiters, and J.R. Smith. None of them are, are real uh, floor generals. They're more, mm -hmm. you know, shooters that want to get their own buckets. Um, they didn't trade for a backup point guard. You think about backup point guards that were available during the trade deadline, like maybe Dennis Schroeder or Jeff Teague. I th Jeff Teague, you could have honestly easily got him. The dude didn't have much trade value. So, mm -hmm. you know, Jeff Teague would be looking real nice right now in, in a Lakers uniform. So, that's with all that said, I think LeBron can bear, bear the burden in the playoffs and make up for the Lakers' mistakes. And I think that it'll be okay. I don't think Rondo is that big of a loss. Yeah. Yeah, the, the only – I guess, yeah, like the best thing that he brought to the table was when LeBron's on the bench, obviously Lakers run the offense through Anthony Davis, but because he's a, a big guy, it's harder for him to initiate, you know, start the play himself. So Rondo was so good at getting him the ball, you know, where he where he could actually go start to go to work. So that's that's where it'll hurt. But yeah, I think, I mean, even when Avery Bradley first went down, the – the quick, easy, what seemed like the obvious solution was, we'll give Caruso more minutes because he was only playing 18 minutes per game. So now Rondo's out too. So obviously, now they have no choice but to play Caruso at least like somewhat heavy minutes. I would say at least 25 minutes plus per game. But I wonder if, um, yeah, I wonder if, this kind of scares me, but I wonder if they're actually expecting something from Waiters because we know J.R. Smith is just strictly 3 and D. But Waiters is at least when he was, you know, th those couple years when he was when he was balling out, he was a solid. He obviously wasn't like a floor general, but he was putting up four assists per game, which is pretty good for like a score first guy. So yeah. I wonder if they're, I don't know. I mean, I haven't obviously seen the Lakers practices, but I wonder if Waiters can actually at least bring something to the table in terms of playmaking. Uh, he's only twenty eight, so it's not like you know, J.R. Smith is I think like at least thirty three, thirty four by now. So Waiters should still at least be in his prime physically. So I, but I hate even just talking about relying on Waiters doesn't doesn't make me feel good as a Lakers fan. But he's such a wild card, you know. Yeah, you don't know like you know where his head's at. You can't really rely on him, you know, to be yeah. mentally stable. Yeah, the same with Jr. So that's the thing. I think if you think about next season, like does, is Rondo really there next season? I don't think so, right? Mm -hmm. I would say they'd probably give more minutes to Alex Caruso next season. So why not just start that process now? Mm -hmm. Why not uh, see how Alex Caruso handles the increase in minutes and, you know, say goodbye to Rondo because I, I don't think he is needed off the bench on a championship team. I think you have better players on the roster for the Lakers that mm -hmm. deserve those minutes over Rondo. That's yeah. just how I think. Yeah. And Rondo, back when he was in his prime on the Celtics, he was, if not the best uh, defender in terms of point guards, he was top two or three. But now I think he's so overrated on defense. And I, 
a lot of it seems like he just doesn't try, and that could just be in the regular season because obviously playoff Rondo has been a thing before. But the one thing you know about Caruso is even if he goes 0 for 8, he's going to play incredible defense the entire game. So that's where I think the Lakers should feel good about playing Caruso heavy minutes because at least he's going to be you know doing making hustle plays and diving all over the floor, getting loose balls. And that's what, that's all you need really on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis and a couple of shooters. You just need a, like a, a guy who'll do everything. Yeah. And Caruso is also a smart player. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows his role. He's not going to go outside of his role and try and like carry the team on his back. Like he knows when to take the good shot, when to make the pass, basically what Rondo does. So, and Caruso, I would say has the athletic advantage at this point. Yeah. So a 34-year-old Rondo has lost a step or two. So he's not as quick as he once was. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just lean on Caruso a little bit more heav- heavily and hopefully uh, he can act as the secondary playmaker off the bench. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it sucks that it's two guards. You know, if it was either just, Ron- just Rondo or just Avery Bradley, I would feel a lot better. But now that it's already two guys who've, who are out, before we've even played a single game like that's that's a little worrisome but um, the Lakers are pretty deep with those kind of random x-factor guys which again with LeBron and AD all you need is guys who at least there's a chance they'll be good and you can just kind of shuffle them in and out of the lineup it's funny how you know we say that the Lakers are a championship team and then they're they're relying on contributions like from guys like J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters so, <laughs> I mean, it speaks to, like, how, how good LeBron and AD are together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just only – it sucks because there's no real backup point guard for the Lakers. That's at least what Rondo was because even though we've said how great Caruso is as a, as a player off the bench, he's not a true point guard or, like, a playmaker much of at all, really. And then, obviously, Quinn Cook is more of just a spot-up shooter and – that's all in terms of point guards on the roster. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically the LeBron effect where he covers up for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he he is that playmaker primarily, but you still need someone to to fill that role when LeBron needs that. You know, five minute rest or so. So yeah. I mean, that's on the Lakers management. They should have done a better job in getting that secondary playmaker. You know, I'll, I'll stick to saying Jeff Teague was probably you know didn't have much market value so they could, probably could have got him pretty easily i mean they tra- they traded jeff teague back to the hawks i mean what's he doing on that hawks team like he's not gonna help them rebuild the dudes all, right you know, getting older now so he wants to probably play for uh a contender so he would have been like the he would have been to the lakers what reggie jackson is for the clippers yeah you know, like a guy who's been a solid point guard almost like Close. I think he made an all-star team, but that was just because he was on that that crazy Hawks team, and the East was so weak. But and where he just like he he had his time trying to be the focal point of a team, and that did not go well. So he's just down to be on a just be a role player on a really good team that wins. But I just I just wish Collison. I wish we could have. I thought LeBron was the master salesman. I'm disappointed yeah. that he didn't that he wasn't able to convince Darren Collison to come out of retirement. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Darren Clawson's a question mark, too. Like, he, he was playing great for Indiana. He was super efficient. Mm-hmm. I remember I had him on my fantasy team last year, and he helped me a lot because, you know, he's uh, efficient from the field and from the three-point line, and he always gets steals and assists. So I, he definitely could have helped out the Lakers a lot as well. Yeah, he honestly would have been perfect. I'm just looking at his numbers from last year now. 11 points, six assists, three boards. 47% from the field, 41 from three, 83 free throw, less one and a half turnovers. Oh, that would have been, that's yeah. literally, literally like the ideal backup point guard for a LeBron team. But yeah, all right, I could talk myself into Caruso though. That's no problem. <laughs> Who do you yeah, think? I think Caruso's earned that right. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, this dude's a gimmick with the headband, you know, yeah. he's bald. He's, he can actually play. Yeah. No, he's definitely legit. I think he showed that this year, especially just based on the fact that LeBron like really likes him as a teammate. You know, and LeBron, there's no way like LeBron would hate him if he was just just like trying to capitalize on his stardom just because he's had a couple cool dunks and stuff like that. But I think yeah. he really respects Caruso because he does 
he just puts in work. He does a lot of the dirty work and he just, just so happens to be a bald white dude with like a 45 inch bird. <laughs> yeah. Which is a rarity. But yeah. I mean, he had, he had a grind for everything. Uh, like he was playing in the G league for a couple of years mm-hmm. and he had to get the called up to the NBA, you know, at the end of the season when the Lakers weren't that good and the Lakers were looking at him and, you know, he had to earn everything. And I respect that as well. Yeah. So who do you think this will be last point on the, on the Lakers, but who do you think is the starting five for the Lakers now that, that Avery Bradley is not in the lineup. And if they were going to slide Rondo into that spot, now that's not an option. So the, the Lakers usually start JaVale, right? Yeah. So it's usually uh, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, LeBron, AD, JaVale. I think that was the most common starting five. Okay. Yeah. Who starts in place? So, because I'm saying Danny Green, LeBron, AD, JaVale. So who's going to be that fifth guy? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe oh you could God. run KCP. Oh, yeah. I think that would be – I was going to say we can't be – J.R. Smith, I can't – because he really going to start. For a, <laughs> <laughs> no. Like maybe later in the playoffs once he's back into shape. But, I mean, he hasn't played in an entire season. Yeah. I'm – yeah, I mean that that lineup's pretty versatile actually. KCP can probably guard one through three. Mm-hmm. So can Green. LeBron can guard one through five. That's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I actually like that lineup. Yeah. Cause KCP has been really knocked down from three. Obviously Danny Green. So that's like yeah, two above average shooters and then obviously LeBron and A D and then JaVale's been awesome for his first, you know, he gets those like first eight minutes or whatever and then Let's Dwight do his thing, and then yeah, he's just a solid guy. He'll just you know, I like what Javale does too. So that's a solid lineup. And then off the bench, then yeah, Caruso would has he has to run the second unit, I guess. Yeah, I just Caruso and Waiters and Smith and and Marquise. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wonder if yeah, maybe they give Kuzma some some more playmaking responsibility, which I don't think he's really done much of but i mean he's so skilled i could see him like he should he should be able to bump up his playmaking a little bit yeah i think kuzma should take on a larger role Mm -hmm. when he comes off the bench he should be the guy that's basically featured in the offense Mm -hmm. yeah because he's like a point forward base i mean he can be like a you know a point forward ish type player yeah six eight and can handle so yeah yeah he's an offensive offensively versatile i'm just i just worry about uh defense from that group Mm -hmm. so we'll see yeah but okay so we'll we'll end it with a less serious topic no that was enough coronavirus talk (laughs) um okay so i saw this video so it was marcus smart and then vincent poirier no i didn't know that was an nba player so they were playing against ennis Cantor and taco fall beach volleyball two on two and it was hilarious because Taco Fall does exactly what you'd expect, just stands there and just any time the other team try to hit it over, just nope. <laughs> didn't yeah. even jump, didn't even have to go on his tippy toes at all, just boop, nope. So so then my question is, what who do you think which NBA team do you think would have the best four person beach volleyball squad? You know, I would honestly have to say the Lakers. Because you have LeBron, who's like the best athlete in the, <laughs> in the NBA, right? You have AD, who's just super tall and lanky, and he's an athlete as well. And then you could play like JaVale, too. And I don't know, Caruso, you could say. I mean, that's, that's exactly that's exactly who I had for the Lakers. Because I feel like you need at least one smaller guy to be, you know, like all over the place, basically playing defense, not yeah. at the net. So, yeah, that's that's a solid team right there. That's what I'm um, saying. Like, volleyball teams always have that one smaller hustle player. Mm-hmm. There's a name for it, but we didn't play volleyball, so I, yeah, I forget what it is. <laughs> but yeah, like basically like a rover who just digs out the ball. <laughs> I mean, and LeBron, like you can't go wrong picking LeBron because you know mm-hmm. he's the best athlete. So and also imagine a, a spike from LeBron, like that yeah. might that might break someone's shoulder off. Exactly. I would say. All right, my. My challenger to that then, I'd probably go with the Lakers too, but just think about the Pelicans team. So you got Zion, 
enough said. Jackson Hayes, who was also like seven feet tall with crazy bounce. Brandon Ingram has like what, like an eight foot wingspan. So he'd be pretty good. And then you could put like Lonzo or Drew Holiday as the whatever, the small little defensive guy. But yeah. Zion and Jackson Hayes, that would be so fun. Like to just be Lonzo would basically be throwing them lobs just in volleyball form. Yeah, he'd just be Boom, setting them it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be nasty, actually. I would choose that as like a championship volleyball team, like Pelicans versus Lakers. That'd be the showdown right there. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Clippers team is underrated because they're not really exciting, but like Kawhi would obviously be a monster. You know, like yeah. his hands are so big, so you would try and spike it and he would just Block it and just turn around, walk back to the other side, not even say anything. <laughs> PG, obviously, athletic, Trez, athletic. And then Beverly would just be all over the place. You might not score a single point against the Clippers because Beverly would be <laughs> – he'd be covered in sand after it's all over and he'd talk so much. <laughs> he'd just be talking shit in the sand, dude. <laughs> sand in his teeth and everything. <laughs> just in his hair and everything. <laughs> I would honestly pay to see – uh, NBA beach volleyball tournament. That would be so fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. That would, you know, just just to see seven-footers on a volleyball court, how easily they can spike it. Yeah. And they're just such good athletes, too. So it's like, like even the tall guys that we mentioned, it's not like they're awkward. You know, they're still so skilled that they would just be monsters, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a blessing of being an NBA player. Like, most any other sport, you can – play at like a more higher level than an average person mm-hmm. just because you're gifted athletically but okay um so we'll work on getting this this uh beach volleyball tournament going in the off season thanks for listening to another episode of the ball to you fall podcast uh, if you enjoyed the episode please like rate subscribe follow download all the above uh we're honestly we're going to keep releasing episodes even if you guys don't do any of the above but It'll just make us feel better about ourselves if we see that people are listening and, you know, downloading and basically just enjoying the episodes. So be a nice person today. Uh, Please spread the word. Uh, The world needs more nice people out there. So just search Ball Till You Fall podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or basically just anywhere that you listen to podcasts out there. Again, we really appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next episode.